0: So, a couple of weeks ago, we got some criticism in the comments. Oh, my God. I'm going to call it out right now. Okay. Uh, I don't know which comment it was. Go to, to hell, it. sir. No. I love the fact that people leave comments. They're invested in the show. No. Uh, it, it primarily was, was kind of a, um, a criticism of us because we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the writers of DS9 as much as we talked about the writers of TNG. and That's all you. Well, yeah, it is. And I think... <laughs> You know, I- I'm certainly not saying it's Richard's no, it's- fault. I think partially it has to do with the fact that I'm not as familiar with the writing staff of DS9, honestly. And I think the other thing, too, is that the episodes don't really seem all that different from one another. Well,
1: I, w- I was going to say it seems a lot more consistent from week to week, even when you're doing, you know, weird episodes like, you know, we've had for the past couple weeks where they have been a little more self-contained. Um you know in the original in, in in TNG I know a lot of the times you know and original series too um the episodes whose writers we knew had a specific stamp on them like we knew what a Brandon Braga episode was for example um yeah I, I haven't I guess they haven't to me been any m- writers with a recognizable stamp on this? Yeah, and I
0: think I've been
1: talking th- about the showrunners a lot more. Yes,
0: absolutely, and I think that that's really indicative of the ways in which DS Nine is different than TNG. Now, of course, you know certain writers do have their own little you know uh, proclivities in DS Nine, for example. I mean, Ronald D. Moore is still writing you know some Klingon episodes, and he really yeah. wrote a lot of the good Klingon episodes on TNG, for example. But I, I bring this up specifically because we're talking about the the, the major kind of Um, you know, plate shifting two parter of of Homefront and Paradise Lost because, you know, to a certain degree, we've talked about Iris Stephen Bear. We've talked about how he became the showrunner in the third season of DS Nine and how he sort of took uh, a DS Nine in a different direction than the show was perhaps going to go in the first couple seasons. And you know, he's really focused on kind of examining uh, what the core of Star Trek is to a very real degree. And you see this in this episode literally. Mm. I mean, the second part of this is called Paradise Lost. And, you know, you see that in Ronald D. Moore a little bit, but where I think it's interesting is I haven't really mentioned uh, Robert Hewitt-Wolf a lot, and he was, you know, he was on the show for the first five seasons. He was a co-producer, then he was, I think, he was a story editor, then he was a co-producer, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Uh, What does a story editor do?
0: They edit stories. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And so you know he was very instrumental in in sort of some of the the plot elements of the show. I think specifically about some of the Dominion stuff. You know, yeah. Iris Bear is really interested in examining the core of the Federation, examining Starfleet, examining some of the you know inconsistencies and in some of the, the the unanswered questions of the franchise. And I think Keep Robert
1: constructing some of the morality of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I think Robert Hewitt Wolf was more involved in maybe breaking the story of the meta plot of the Dominion yeah. and what's going on in the Cardassians and all that kind of stuff.
1: Which, and, I mean, this episode is making it clear how well the two can kind of, you know, inform each other. I mean, we, we, we definitely have yes. the Dominion War info and the Federation's reaction and frankly, a you know, a very different reactions than maybe we would have said, but.
0: Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I think that that you can really see that in this two-parter because the first part, Homefront, was uh, written by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolfe together. And the second part, Paradise Lost, was written by Ronald... Well, the story was by Ronald D. Moore and it was written by Ira Stephen Barrett and, and Hans uh, uh, Bemler. So, and Hans Bemler is not really a, a person that I'm that familiar with, honestly. And so you know maybe I'll find out more about him. But you can really see that... that at least in DS9, I feel like the 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 ways in which the plot is going it was much more of a group effort than it ever was on TNG. Yeah. Is kind of the takeaway here, I think.
1: Well, yeah, given that they are trying to get to a hole, I mean, it kind of has to be a team effort. You know, TNG, as we've as we've often said, tends to handle continuity by. You know we'll take you know we'll go back, and oh, I really liked this episode and this character from it, so let's bring him back like not you know certainly, the Klingon arc, you know, I would say is one of the strongest arcs in the t n g series um, and you know that certainly has its beats, which it hits in a certain order, but for the most of it, it does seem like you know we can have a q story, for example, without you know, having to worry about, are we going against continuity? Are we going to develop this in a direction, you know? You know, the holodeck has an arc to it, but it seems like that was just kind of, you know, picking up and doing the next logical conclusion.
0: Yeah, and I think that that you see that kind of, <clears throat> that, that, that's really the tension at the heart of DS9, yeah. is DS9 is very specifically still telling a lot of those types of stories, those kind of self-contained stories, but it is also... Making the audience aware and reminding the audience that the the meta plot or the arc is still going on. Yes. In a way that TNG never did. I mean, TNG certainly had arcs, but the arcs were, you know, two episodes here and then a couple seasons later they would pick it up and do it again. It's
1: not like they talk about, you know, what Q is doing in between Q episodes, you know. But of course, even in non changeling centered episodes, you know, there'll still be the odd mention. Oh, what are the Dominion up to today? Or we're getting new weapons against the Dominion. You know, or there'll be a throwaway line. Or something. Right, right. So now this we- episode doesn't feature any Klingons, but we have mention of Klingons, for example.
0: Yes, exactly. I mean, Worf is in the second part briefly, but but that's and then the first part, of course, as he's well. He's a main cast. He's not a Klingon. He, he's a Klingon. Don't say that. He might be offended by that. Well, I don't care.
1: What's he gonna do?
0: <laughs> all right. With all that said. Getting our, you know, r- random stuff out of the way. Um, what, yeah, I was going to say, is you're wh- leaving
1: me this up to me, aren't you? Yeah, what, what is your reaction to this?
0: I mean, this is...
1: This is something that... This is a big deal. I mean, this is the kind of story that, you know, I, while I obviously didn't know quite what, you know, was going to expect, you know, when you said, you know, shit's coming down, and I knew there was a third-parter and... Um, a 2 A two-party, I'm sorry. Um... I didn't, you know, connect quite that, you know, I didn't I didn't quite analyze it to think that okay, it's going to be what, you know, it's going to take place on Earth though. You know, if I'd looked at the titles for 5 minutes, I might have, you know, right. figured that out. But either way, you know, especially with the way the last season ends. Yes, we need to deal with something with the Dominion on Earth and the Dominion as they are dealing with the Federation. Um the fact that it is dealing with a faction within Starfleet is some I mean that's something that Um, conspiracies were something that was brought up from time to time in TNG. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one with the body snatcher thing or whatever, which which, was
0: called conspiracy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And frankly, you know, although those were alien slug puppet master types, it's not that different from what's happening with the Dominion, you know, given that, you know, the Dominion are able to replace people and, you know, um,
0: well, not well, they don't yeah, they
1: can replace well, sort of yeah, yeah, um, well okay,
0: and so here here's the thing about about homefront and Paradise Lost is that you know I think it's interesting you say, okay, you bring up the conspiracy stuff right because that is that yeah. is the major that is the major focal point that is the plot of homefront, yeah uh, of paradise lost, that is not the point of homefront at all and and homefront is a complete fake out for paradise Lost, yes, so I, I think that's that's a, an important call out to make, and I think that that you know when we do have two partners that fall in the same episode of the podcast. We generally just kind of talk about the whole thing as as one entity, uh, maybe to the detriment of these two parters specifically because they are very different. Yeah, but you know, the the background for this is you know when I when we talked about Way of the Warrior, the first season, first episode of season four of, of DS Nine mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, you know, I mentioned that they originally did not want to to do that, and they had this whole other. Two parter in mind for the the end of the third season and the beginning of okay. the fourth season, and this was it okay they they uh, you know in the companion for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I look at from time to time in preparation for recording uh, uh, Iris Steven bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf are both very upset about the fact that they didn't really have a lot of money for this two parter mm. and they they specifically call out both the the optical effects in the space battle in the second part and they also call out the fact that you know, New Orleans seems to be uh, occupied by about three Starfleet personnel. Yeah,
1: you I know, know there is a degree that you know it, th- this is a typical science fiction scale thing. Which, how many military personnel do you need to? You know, number one to get military. You know, to get martial law of one city is going to how how you know think right. of the amount of and multiply that by. I mean are just the major cities of earth being you know starfleeted right now what's happening in the middle of you know Oklahoma for example in the farmlands are there changelings there you know
0: Right Well and as we find out in in, in Paradise Lost of course if, if, well, if you can yeah. believe the changeling there are only four changelings on earth but we'll but, talk about that but I
1: do believe the changeling frankly Yeah I do too I don't think they
0: the, the changelings are well, not in uh, that yeah they in, don't lie really
1: And in that particular context what he's doing is to intimidate uh you know, and, and so if there were thousands of changelings, he would say there are thousands of us. You know, even if there were hundreds, if there were seven as opposed to four, he would just say seven. So I mean, it's such a specific and small number that yeah. I think that, that you know, if it turns out there are more than that, you know, whatever. But it you know, in the context of that conversation, yeah, that's
0: and we'll obviously talk about that scene. I think it's a very, really, really good scene for Colmini. Oh, I was uh, about well. to say it's one of his but uh so so the the, the two parters initially conceived was a little more it was a little bit different than this, mm. so so they wanted to do it on a grander scale, and of course, they kind of blew a lot of their money on way of the warrior, which you know frankly was a lot more impressive yeah. than this one a lot more impressive looking at least you know you have a lot of Klingons running around You got a lot of like you know massive space battles happening uh what where they initially wanted to go with this was. Uh, uh, a, 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 elements of this kind of in the original conception which were that there was kind of a Starfleet conspiracy to mm-hmm. to take over Earth at least and put Earth under martial law and that this was going to kind of cause friction with the Vulcans mm-hmm. and the Vulcans were going to actually leave the Federation.
1: You mentioned that, yeah, they were kind of kind to of, kind of take the Klingon role and Right, and
0: and the 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 first part of this home front was originally supposed to end with a a starfleet starship firing on a Vulcan transport. Ooh. So and then end
1: a season, and, and then end a <laughs> season. Yeah,
0: and I think that I'm I'm glad they didn't do that. I think that for for, my, for you know, okay,
1: so yeah, I was going to say it's definitely the kind of thing that you know, having seen only up to this point, I can't really comment on you know because. You know, that would be a hell of an eff- – you know, We Are Everywhere was a great season ender, but, you know – Earth is under martial law, and we're firing on a Vulcan. Is still is is maybe even more escalated. But from I where also, they go from there, I don't know.
0: You know, and 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 for me, you know, we've talked about this a little bit for, before, and I do have specific questions for you about this topic. But you know, DS Nine has definitely grown in stature, you know, in its since its initial airing, and it's definitely one of the more well respected, I think, Star Trek yeah. series. And a lot of people now consider DS nine to be to be their favorite. And I've talked about this where I don't think it's my favorite, TNG is my favorite, but I think this is the best Star yeah. Trek show. And so, you know, Iris Steven Bear is very interested in examining the core of this idea of paradise and examining exactly, you know, what the cost of keeping it is. Mm. And you know, in TNG, we aside from a few things like we, you
1: know, the drumhead. I think a perfect example. Um, yeah, I mean, the drumhead seems like in line where DS9 wanted to go. Wants to go. Yeah,
0: and and you know that's why I sort of uh, poo poo the criticism of DS9 as being too dark, for instance, because yeah. I think that these were already sort of
1: elements that were being examined. Yeah. To
0: a much smaller and a more self-contained degree in TNG. Well, that
1: was the yeah that that's the main thing. Like TNG, they can have you know. That, you, you you know, you can have an Inquis- Inquisitor-type character in an episode, but DS9 gives that the, the room to breathe and kind of... I mean, this is a conspiracy that has lasted two episodes, although I don't really know what the implications of this are going to be. And certainly there are implications, but, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, my, my, my question for you is... Uh, you know, leaving aside the fake out and Home Front about yeah. this isn't a, this isn't actually changelings that are causing the power grid of the entire planet to go down. It's it's actually Admiral Layton and his cronies who are yeah. engineering a, a disaster to get Starfleet in place.
1: But their point, you know, it, is this too dark for Star Trek? No, not at all. Because um, I I mean, number one, they make the You know we're with Cisco through these episodes for the most part, and um, we agree with him that in the face of you know a changeling attack, certain extreme measures must be taken. Now, frankly, give me the choice between you know Starfleet and the American military taking martial law. I mean, I'll take Starfleet. Sure, I feel like you know I, I I think we. Generally, think that you know, even though martial law is not something we would necessarily agree is the best thing, you know, maybe Starfleet is going to be better about it than the than the Cardassians, for example. That said, you know, Cisco is using this in response to what appears to be extreme measures by the Changelings and almost a last resort. Leighton figures that you know is using martial law defensively because you know he you know he feels that you know well if it isn't this power grid today you know it's going to be something the changelings are going to make some kind of attack and so you know they're going to fake you know so they i mean his plan to the degree where they fake a disaster which i assume if the changelings did actually move in you know maybe the power grid would be fixed a little quicker you know what i mean like um you know we don't assume we we don't know what fail safes he built into there but layton's goal is not to take over earth to oppress the people he's not doing it for personal gain i mean i i I think that's the you know that's why this is a very interesting episode uh because they don't make him wrong necessarily Mm. but you know in the sense that you know misguided uh, that's what i was gonna say misguided he's doing it for the right reason but the wrong thing you know, and, and so I again. You know, Layden is not a you know mustache twirling villain. You know, no one of the you know one. We don't want to get into Babylon Five too much, right at this moment. But you know they but don't stay tuned. Hey, um, but you know the the, the you know person who takes over Earth and that's you know. Thing you know, we never really find out his motivations, and they're implied mm-hmm. to be just a bald power grab. This is not a bald power grab. This isn't again. Layden doesn't want to be the president. He doesn't want to you know control everybody. He doesn't want to amass anything. He wants to keep the people of Earth safe. He thinks that this this degree is what's necessary to keep Earth mm-hmm. safe. And I don't think we agree with that. Cisco doesn't agree with it. The show doesn't agree with that. But at the same time, it. They can't, you know, he, again, misguided us, I think, the best.
0: Well, I think there's a couple things there. I think, number one, Admiral Layton is actually a bit more cynical and a bit more against the the ideals of the Federation than perhaps you think. And I have a specific example in mind. But the first thing I want to say about that is one of the things that I find so intriguing about this two-parter is the ways in which the the naivete of the Federation and Starfleet mm. has always sort of been there a little bit, and we've talked about it. And in as much as we live in a universe where everybody is on the up and up and everybody, you can interpret their 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 good intentions and no one has sort of bad intentions, at least, you know, or if they do have bad intentions, you can tell. No, there's no guile, really. There's no deception here uh, in this universe so far. Yes. And I think in as much as the Dominion represents an an existential threat to the Federation. Mm. It is because of that reason. It's because yes. the changelings specifically are all about Guile. They're an incarnation, deception. yeah. Yeah. I mean very literally that's what they do. And so that that's kind of the the first thing that I find so interesting about yeah. this. And I, I don't know if that was conscious they were consciously uh, engineered or designed to to be the perfect antagonist to the federation but yeah, in terms no, of their ideals but it works really well
1: just as the klingons were the perfect you know big bad of T- of the original series and the borg of TNG you know the, the the dominion is the yeah is the dark mirror of the federation in this in this interpretation of it
0: yeah yeah and so and the other thing that I that I want to pick up on with that is where you say Admiral Layton doesn't necessarily have bad intentions. Well, okay, but yeah. Yeah, he does have bad intentions. Well,
1: but he does well he does And also,
0: you know, he's a little more uh, he's a little more rough around the edges than I think we've seen Starfleet of the Federation specifically before. Because well, and specifically what I mean by that is he does say I I think it's in home front that he doesn't think that the president of the Federation cares as much about Earth mm. as as humans do. That was a very is,
1: interesting th- thing. Yeah. We've
0: never really seen that sentiment before in Star Trek. Or if we have, it's been sort of poo-pooed very quickly. And for me, that is DS9. I don't know if it's going too far. I think that Admiral Layton is a very flawed character and does want the best for for the Federation. But it does set up this interesting juxtaposition where Admiral Layton is othering the other yeah. members of the Federation to a real degree. And I'm not sure that I'm completely comfortable with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing where I was honestly surprised to find that the Federation president, you know, on Earth is not a human. And I mean, it's the kind of thing which does make complete sense you know earth just you know happens to be the headquarters of the federation you know the physical building needs to be somewhere but you know it's you know frankly my thing is about you know for years the pope was a traditionally you know italian but now you know for several popes has not been you know and you know weird at first but it doesn't have to be because they are representing something that is non-geographically located at the same time he does you know have you know he the crisis is, is an is an Earth crisis right now, and I think Layton has a part of a degree of feeling that Earth should be self governed in this particular crisis. I wonder, or more specifically, you know, part of part of the implication is that you know the president is going to have a more overarching view, but you know yeah. he's going to see Earth as one planet among many when Layton's. You know is on Earth right now well and
0: and interestingly enough the the original conception or the original script for this episode did include references to united Earth, and so like the mm. the, the implication being that each member planet of the federation does have its own you know planetary government, yeah. but the federation is more. You know, it's organizing trade. It's obviously Starfleet is is a big part of that. You know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah,
1: the, the, the difference between, for example, the UN and, you know, the American government. Right. You know, and
0: that the, that kind of re- references to United Earth were taken out for kind of making it a little more – a little too esoteric, yeah. or a little too confusing, which I can totally understand. Another entity and,
1: that we've heard nothing about is, you know, not right. the thi- – there was enough going on in these episodes <laughs> that we didn't need to add that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
0: So I think that, you know – but I think leaving aside the 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 Admiral Layton stuff for a minute, I think let, let's talk about the first part of the two-parter okay. because it's it's very, very interestingly bracketed by this idea of the wormhole is opening, no one knows why, it's mysterious, no one can figure out a reason for it, and then suddenly, boom, a changeling was on Earth and a bomb exploded and killed 27 yeah. people. That's a pretty... Yeah. Dramatic opening for the episode. And then the episode kind of goes down this road of examine, because, you know, the the character of, of, uh, of, um, what is his father's name? Pasisco. Pasisco. Joseph, wasn't it? Joseph, Yeah. The character of Joseph Cisco is obviously a stand-in for for both the audience and for Federation citizens, and I think that you know we haven't really seen many Federation citizens. We've talked yeah. about this in the past. Where Star Trek is obviously sympathizing with Starfleet because that's who all our main characters are for the most part. DS Nine obviously excluded from that, but it, it it does make it really interesting to me because you know Cisco and Odo come back. Suddenly, Cisco is made you know temporary head of Starfleet security. Uh, and then we get a lot of scenes about Joe, you know Joe Cisco and what he's doing, yeah. How his, how his health is, and you know all this kind of stuff. And it feels kind of weird while you're watching it, but it completely makes sense because it's the show telling us what the average Federation citizen is like. It also grounds Cisco in a way because we get to see his father for the first time. We get to see them interact. You know, it, it sort of humanizes Cisco yeah. and it it,
1: it makes, gives another layer to the Cisco and to the Ben and Jake relationship too, frankly.
0: It does. And also, you know, we get to see that Ben Cisco is a very, you know, a very good father, partially because his own father was very yeah. loving and warm. And and also I think the other thing that's that's kind of key to this is, you know, in the second part, it really makes the the you know the, the drama of The attack on Earth, the power grid, it gives us someone to specifically fear for. Yes. Now, that all said, Homefront is my less favorite of the two parts just because it is all set up and it's such a fake
1: out. I guess, you know, since I watched the two episodes kind of right after each other with a day in between, again, this is a a question of I'm seeing it at once. So it felt like, again, a movie length thing. And that was just, you know, a twist at that point. Um I didn't have to wait a week and I frankly I mean that's not the only fake out of the episode although it's the most salient one. I mean what I really I loved the fact that they almost seemed like they were leading up to the reveal of Joseph as a changeling through the whole thing. I mean that the scene when they, you know, he Which is
0: important for another reason, but
1: yeah. Um the scene when you know he's trying, you know, the, oh, you know When the two Federation personnel are there and he's, you know, cutting the thing and, you know, first of all, everything they're saying, you know, you haven't been to the doctor in months, you know, you sent the daughter away, you're being very stubborn, why, you know, there are all of these circumstantial suspicions and frankly as he's cutting, I knew that, oh my god, he's going to cut himself and I – and it's going to, you know, be gelatinous and oh shit, he was the changeling the whole time and – Frankly, that's putting the audience in Ben's position because, you know, you can tell Ben is going through the, oh, my God, my father has been taken over by a changeling. Something's yeah. off. Yeah. When it's just, you know, him reacting to a stressful time. And I mean – but I mean the punchline of that sequence is, you know, Joseph figures out a way to defeat the blood test, you know, just kind of casually and that's just, you know – it's it's not really clear whether or not the Federation has come to that particular realization mm-hmm. too, but either way, the Changelings have. The Changelings have already figured out a way to get past the blood test. I don't know what it is, but I would put money on that. at Yeah, this point. yeah. So, and, I, and
0: also, frankly, too, let's not forget that that uh, we don't have proof that the Changelings have done that yet. Although I think that's probably yeah. a, a, you know a safe assumption on your part. Yeah, but we do already know that that Leighton and his cronies have figured out a way to to doctor a blood test to reveal that someone is a changeling when they're not. I was going to say, and they've, they've, so, yeah, they
1: probably got changeling blood just happening you know, around. Yeah.
0: But I think what's really, what's really key to the whole, you know, uh, 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 Cisco's plot, we'll call it is if, if everything about paradise lost is questions about, you know, protecting what you have. Yeah. What is the cost of paradise? You know, paradise has never been so well armed, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it it really does come down to fear. It comes down to suspicion, and it comes down to uh, the worst impulses of a person in a position of power. Yeah, and I think that we could probably make a pretty strong argument that Admiral Leighton was probably never that great of an admiral.
1: No, uh, uh for it, it, a lot of what we've seen. I mean, we've talked about this too. Uh, admirals tend to kind of suck in general. Yeah, uh, And yeah. You know, either. I I I mean Kirk gets bored when he's an admiral you can tell some but you know the captains we've seen had you know even Kirk was a bit more diplomatic wasn't quite a, a military person mm-hmm. um We've certainly seen other captains uh, who were much more militaristic in there, you know, and were doing those more kind of missions. I mean, when you, you know, we know what Captain Layden was probably like. Captain Layden was doing the dangerous missions. Captain Layden was doing mostly mostly space battles. Put that man, you know, get him off a spaceship, put him in a position where he's bored, you know, get a changeling who's going to whisper certain things into his ear, and of course he's going to take over. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to assume that he has a changeling. Actually, well, admits,
1: but but I mean that the well, but that, I think that's I my think, question about what the changelings are doing. But we'll get into that in a
0: bit. Well, yeah, but I think that that you know w- w- what's interesting about that is even if Admiral Leighton doesn't specifically, you know, let's say his his you know uh, whoever that woman is, yeah, um, on his, uh, during, his captain, his protege, yeah, his protege during the whole episode. Let's 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 make the argument that she's a changeling for a second. Um, and I I'm not saying she's a changeling, no. but that that it doesn't even need to be that explicit. Uh, it doesn't even need to be that personal. Well, that's what Because I, the very fact that the Changelings are on Earth and the very fact that the Changelings have ostensibly bombed this, you know—
1: Well, I was going to say, all, you know, yeah, it doesn't need to be that explicit. I mean, they take over Leyden for about a five, ten-minute period in this. I mean— And that's the point of it, though, yeah, is that— All it needs to, frankly, be is somebody comes up to Leyden at a party and is talking about the lack security of the Federation, you know, and gee— you know, somebody should take up a you know, two well, or three conversations like this would all be, and blowing up a building, that's all it, they need to do. Yeah,
0: which I think is, you know, it's, it's problematic and it's not, because I think that it does make the Federation and Starfleet, well, not the Federation, because I think the Federation would have been fine. I, I, this is about Earth specifically, and I think yeah. this is also dealing with some large questions about, is Starfleet primarily an Earth organization or not? Right? Like, I think yeah. there's also a, r- a real degree to that where. We you know, don't know
1: what the Federation looks like on Vulcan, for example.
0: Right. And I think that, you know, if. Uh, it, 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 I think it's, it's naive on Admiral Layton's mm. part to assume that the Vulcans, for example, as he takes over earth and martial law because he needs to protect it, are just going to go, yeah, you know what? Let, yeah, you go, you go. Yeah, that. I think that's fine. You, I don't think they're going to be okay with it. So, so, that's, you know, the Federation, is, and that's the whole point of the Federation yeah. though. And this is what's so insidious about, about the dominion and about the setup for this, these two episodes is that the Federation is founded on the idea that planets forming together in a peaceful coalition to share technology, to share resources, to yeah. share food, to share all these things. Uh, uh, in peaceful exploration of the universe is going to be much more powerful than 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 force and war and all of these things. And what this is setting up is the idea that there are still elements in human society hmm. and there are probably still elements in all kinds of in Vulcan society yeah, and yeah, yeah. Dorian society and Trill society, although we don't know if Trill's actually a member of the Federation, that indicate that it's a little more fragile than we think it is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I think that that's a good way to go, and I also don't think it's a good I way mean, to go, if you know what I mean.
1: See, number one, I'm actually starting to wonder if, you know, for the Federation's own sake, if it makes more sense to have a non— Human Federation president, just to kind of make the good faith that no, this isn't an Earth organization. You know, yeah, we don't always have a human president. You know, um,
0: uh, I think we also do have to call out the fact that part of this is just because this is a television show made by people, and and you yes. know, there's not as much of a budget for aliens. Of course, of course. So you know, it's
1: but you know, and at the same time, you know, for example, you know, Trills are not extensive makeup job. You know, the, the, the Vulcan is not going to be six hours in the makeup chair. But true. Um, uh, anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think that that's that's what it really comes down yeah. to,
1: though, is, is the fact
0: that I think oh, the- this is both painting the the, the Starfleet specifically and the Federation is a little more fragile than I think it actually is, and I think that the fact that Cisco is is, I mean. You know, Admiral Layton's plan seems pretty good. I think that he's relying on the worst instincts of people and the best instincts of people. They want to protect Earth. Yeah, they want you know, but but the Dominion are doing their work for them, and I think this is really what the key is: is that the Dominion is saying we don't have to do anything. That's we can we can set one thing in motion. You guys are going to destroy yourselves, and it's almost successful. Well, you know, kind of scary.
1: I mean, this is the Dominion's ML. What we saw on. You know, they they managed to cripple, you know, to cripple Cardassia and the Romulans, you know, doing, you know, again, probably very similar. They didn't really need to do much work. As I said, you Yeah, know, all they needed to do was maybe, you know, whisper a couple of things or, you know, whatever. But, you know, the, the, as soon as they blew something up, you know, this is Leighton, you know, moving on his own. And... You know, as you said it is true, you know, the Vulcans wouldn't like this would lead to civil war with the Federation, some of the Federation planets. Some planets would ally with Earth and say, you know, I mean, I can see the Klingons being very pro what Earth is doing for example. Um in terms of, you know, protecting its own sovereignty. You know, that, that's what a strong, you know, I'm glad Earth is finally being strong and doing the right thing. You know, the Vulcans may not be happy about this. The Trill may not be happy about this. You know, the Romulans, who they're okay with, you know, maybe, you know, everyone's going to have a different, and it's going to split the Federation apart. And, yeah. you know, all the changes. Which,
0: of course, is probably
1: the point. Well, that's it, because all the, you know, the Dominion did you know, just had to send four people over, and one of them had to set off a bomb. That's all they had to do. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think, I mean, this is,
0: it's all very interesting, and I'm glad that you're kind of picking up on a lot of this stuff and enjoying it. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I don't think the DS9 is going to end with the collapse of the Federation. No,
1: but, you know, but, but that, that doesn't mean that, you know, the Federation, number one, that doesn't mean that the Federation will end this unchanged. I mean, I, I think to a degree, true. a lot of this, you know, a lot of this series is basically saying, you know, the Federation, you need to grow up. You're getting different enemies now. You know, you're, things are going to be more sophisticated. Things are going to be more insidious. And, you know, you're not always going to have a very easily, you know, the Borg are obviously an evil organization. You know, they. they you know, we may have to figure out how to fight them, but, you know, we're not going to have to worry about, you know… Changing who we are as people in order to find them, you know. Yeah, the Federation may not be able to find fight the Dominion while still being the same Federation. I think there is a degree to which both Cisco and Layton agree on that. They are just deg- disagreeing on the degree to which you know they they Cisco's line that we cannot cross and still remain who we are is a lot lower than Layton's. Layton can take a lot more liberties, but I think again we don't agree with him. You know, at the right. the, the end of. Paradise Lost comes from him, you know, basically saying, you know, nuke them and, you know, his cap you know, the captain, that woman, you know, reali she is willing to, you know, take over Earth to this degree. She does agree that martial law is the way that should go. You know, she agrees that disabling the defiant is the right and arresting them is the right thing to do, but that's her you know, her line, you know, is drawn at the nukes. You know, we you know, and I think it's very significant that the thing she, you know. She wants to do this without bloodshed too. I mean I think it's – the Federation would like a bloodless revolution if there's going to be any kind of revolution.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think,
1: you know, it, 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 it's
0: interesting to me because, you know, what what this seems to indicate is that, you know, the, the rule of law is a little more fragile than perhaps we think it is, yeah. that that Starfleet specifically is an, is an element within Federation society that is perhaps not thought about as much as it should be. You know, I, I don't see a lot of... The, none of this is coming from the Federation. This is yes, all coming from Starfleet. Sh- this is a military coup, in effect. Even, I, if, I, even if Starfleet is... And we've had discussions about this and I've had arguments with other people in my yeah. life about this, even though Starfleet fleet is not a military organization it has elements of the military certainly but it is a different thing than what we conceive of as a 20th or 21st century
1: military anyway but but you know yeah i mean i i would say my my conception is that there is a military branch of starfleet or a more military direction that you can go you know um
0: it's basically the military and the Coast Guard and the Peace Corps all rolling. You know,
1: think of it like a uh, like a college, and then you know, there's there's a school of military, but there's also arts and sciences, and there's also diplomacy, and there's also you know, nursing and stuff like that. But I think
0: that that's where where this really comes down to is you know, is Admiral Leighton correct or not? And I think that he's not correct because, of course, Cisco is able to sort of you know correct this yes. in a sense, and I think that the. The elements in in Starfleet are still there. You know, this is still these are still people of a society that have been uh, pretty much living in paradise for two hundred years. And I think that this is kind of Cisco's wake up call as well, because I don't think that they can't really ignore the Dominion anymore. Which I think is the real the real point here. And I think that that's also the point of that scene with the with the O'Brien changeling and Cisco. Yeah. You know, the other thing that makes me realize too is. Um, when we do see changelings in this episode that aren't Odo, obviously, yeah. Admiral Leighton as a changeling for that one brief scene and an O'Brien, they're very obviously not yes. who they are. Uh, it makes me realize that, you know, especially in that Admiral Leighton scene, the the changelings are, they're basically toying with everybody. Oh, yeah. And, you know... The changeling who is portraying Admiral Layton is basically doing everything but saying I am a changeling because he wants to see how quickly people will pick up on it. Yeah, I think that you know in the same way the the changeling that is O'Brien is being a very different character than O'Brien because he wants Cisco to know it's not actually O'Brien. Yeah, but and that's frankly, not to t- indicate that changelings can't actually
1: act like the person they're they're replacing. No, I would you know suggest that you know. I, I, that's part of the changeling's way of intimidating him by being an evil changeling that's wearing the face of, you know, a friendly, you know, guy who, you know, whatever we will say about O'Brien is he is not a guileful person. And so so it kind of highlights how he's a beautiful person Aww. inside and outside. Keiko doesn't think so. Yeah, she does. They're always having sex. I know. And it's so gross. It's the kind of see, I think Cisco to some you know to some degree the the mili- military occupation of Earth is not really a solution in a lot of ways. I mean, number one, when the changelings are gonna make their move, it's just gonna be that much worse, yeah. and um, you know he doesn't have an end game. Cisco doesn't have an end game either, but I think he's looking for the longer path. I mean. Well, this—I don't know how they're going to end this—the w- war with the Dominion. I don't know well, where it's going to go. It's not even a war. Well, that—that—that's—that's that's true. That though, that said, like things are going to escalate. We still have another three and a half seasons. So, I don't know where this is going to go. But I also think that this series will consider it. You know, I- I- in other words, you know, the series does. You know, is hoping that. You know they're not going to end the Dominion conflict by killing so many changelings that they finally surrender. Right. Right. I I I think that Cisco, while while Cisco and the rest are at this point preparing for the inevitability of war, um, they are still considering it the last resort, and I think will try as long as they can to find to find a diplomatic solution because it's you know one of the things I find in this episode is making it clear is, you know, we are not sure what the Dominion wants, you know, the changeling that, you know, they almost seem bored. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we said that, um, you know, I, I said, I didn't think O'Brien changeling was lying about the four changelings on earth. And in fact, that entire conversation I would say is, Probably fairly honest, you know. Certainly, there's a ton he's leaving out, but I don't think he's lying at any point because, again, he doesn't yeah. need to. And
0: and also, frankly, consider the fact that that there are four changelings, four changelings on Earth. There are probably also four changelings on Vulcan. There are well, probably four changelings uh, on and, on Kronos. There are probably four changelings on the Romulan homeworld. Exactly. World. You know.
1: So they're they're spreading mm. out. No. Um. But the point, you know, he's you know all of he's saying is you know he's trying to you know they're terrorists essentially. You know they they they. Want to make Earth terrified, and they they work. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, do they though? I mean, yes, and well, no. well. To what end? I mean, they, you know, he's well And that's... frankly, I'm not. You know, I'm not even sure to which degree that the changelings wanted. You know, it, maybe it's even possible that the changelings didn't want Laiden to move at this point.
0: Or know. that they didn't want him to succeed. I yeah. think all the Changelings, I think, are, are are poking at the edges of everybody
1: and seeing what they can get away with and what they're going to push back on. I guess, yeah, and, I guess I figure like, if, if the Changelings really wanted to take over Earth, you know, if Leighton – you know, even if they didn't know when Leighton was going to turn off the power, like, you know – some, but there is a changeling monitoring Earth and sending stuff back to the home world. And the second the power went off, you know, if they wanted but to take over Earth, they would have mobilized quick.
0: But I think, in a sense, though, I mean, I don't think the changelings want to take over Earth. I think, yeah, we, and we intimated this before. But I think what the changelings really want to do is they want to divide the Federation. They want to to make the Federation fall into and not, if not a civil war, then then yeah. chaos with planets, you know, going off their own separate ways. And you know, because the Federation is really the the biggest force in the galaxy that that is going to you know potentially present a unified front to the dominion yeah you know the Cardassians are already having their little you know problems with the civilian government and the collapse of the obsidian order the romulans are obviously yeah. having issues the klingons are going crazy and you know raping and pillaging again and so the federation is really kind of the last big organization that is able to to, to fight them. hell and- as
1: we've been saying you know the federation is the only one still going into the fucking wormhole
0: that yeah, that too. I mean, uh, you know,
1: yeah, if they want to, you know, even if the Dominion just simply wants to be left alone, you know, destroying the Federation was, you know, they'll be so busy fighting each other, they're not going to even worry about the Gamma Quadrant for a while.
0: Yeah, but I think that's really the primary key point of the episode, which is that, you know, in the first part, and it's such a it's such a masterful fake out where you think that the changelings are the ones that are causing the power yeah. outage and everyone's going along with this. And the second part is obviously the whole thing about Cisco and re- revealing the conspiracy. Is that this is really Cisco's point? Is Admiral Layton obviously thinks that the ends justify the means, and Cisco doesn't. Cisco thinks that they have fought too hard to establish the Federation. They have fought too hard to make Earth, uh, frankly, a crime-free paradise where nobody goes hungry, nobody is cold, nobody dies of a disease yeah. that that can be treated. You know, all of these things are very true, and there is a beauty, and there is sort of a profound. Uh, sense of optimism to the Federation of what they've created. And I think that, you know, what this really comes down to is Admiral Layton represents the cynical point of view of that, where, you know, yes, we have to defend this at any cost necessary. And Cisco agrees with that, but they disagree on means. Yeah. And Cisco is going to fight above the belt. Cisco is going to um, not try and collapse yeah. the Federation to protect it. Yeah, and that's really where the difference is.
1: I think they, uh, yeah, Cisco believes this can still be fought for lack of a better word, honorably. Even though the changelings might not be fighting honorably, he doesn't want to. You know, there is something almost that you know it's it's too high of a price to sink to their level in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I also think you know that there there's an element to which, and I think you know this is again why why the character bringing in the character of Cisco's father is so important to this two parter because. You know, let let's have a thought exercise, and let's say that there was something going on, um, you know, with terrorists in America, and everybody was on, you know, yeah, yeah oh, hey, let's you know, so crazy. But you know, martial law was declared, and there were troops patrolling the streets yeah. in every major American city. I would be frightened out of oh, my God, mind. Yeah. I would not want to go outside. I mean, I, I don't, You know,
1: this was so. You know, I. I uh, if we don't want to talk about nine eleven for about thirty seconds, I mean, that was certainly something that had you know, been seen as a possibility and just the possibility was horrifying.
0: Yeah, And so what I, what I think is interesting key about this at the end of the episode is that, you know, when Starfleet is beaming in those troops to uh, 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 the streets of New Orleans, Joe Cisco doesn't seem afraid. He, you He's know, like, yeah, they'll come in. They'll eat. He's almost
1: defiant of, you know, he's almost defiantly becoming friends with them, like by, you know, offering because to feed them. Yeah.
0: He is the civilian point of view of this, where Starfleet is a, a peaceful military organization everyone's in on this everyone assumes the best of each other in the federation especially on earth and there's no problem here they're all just people and there's no othering going on here and that's kind of what that that's key to kind of the downfall of Admiral Leighton's plot I think in a way
1: you know it's actually funny because you know one of the things I remembered was you know when Odo's coming to earth and you know he's talking to Bashir and O'Brien you know Odo says something like you know gee you know I, I I hope it's not going to be weird, you know, me being a changeling. And O'Brien's like, why would they be upset that you're a changeling? You didn't do anything. They're just your people. Why would, and it's almost and like Odo's reaction is like, he looks at Miles like, you know, he said something very precious, you know, which, yeah. you know, it is such a naive thing that that O'Brien said. And yet it is the kind of, you know, that's the kind of world, a world I personally want to believe in where, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, people are, indiv- you know, o- O'Brien is so into the idea of people are individuals, and, you know, yeah. he knows Odo, you know, at this point, and he knows. You know, Odo would never do something bad. You know, and, and you know. Not only
0: that, I don't think it's anything about Odo doing but, anything bad. I think it's exactly the opposite that that O'Brien doesn't think that anybody on Earth is going to yeah. is going to judge Odo well, for just for being a change.
1: That, that's the thing, you know. You know, I, I think O'Brien thinks about well, if someone's a little uncomfortable, yes, I was a little uncomfortable at first, but after about ten minutes talking to him, you'll be fine. So that's really, you know, Odo's just going to deal with some mild uncomfortableness, and that's about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and and also
0: I think you know maybe finally before we wrap this episode up is you know we haven't really talked a lot about Nog
1: and Red Squad, and I now that was Wesley's squad, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and so, so in other words, if Wes if Wesley were still in the academy at this point, I guess he would be. I don't know. Well, it, he's
0: I don't think he would be, but he's anyway. gone off
1: with the. Sh- uh,
0: yeah, but it, it's only three years, and that was like what the fourth season of TNG. So that would have been, and this is now like. 1995 so he would have been
1: out of the academy by now
0: anyway although the show could you know
1: the 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 point is what i'm saying is you know if wesley were in still in the academy at this point of time he would have been on that red squad mission you know and and i think that's fair that's that makes me uncomfortable and i and that's certainly you know part of the point of it you know we 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 especially because you know in the episode where wesley does get in trouble with red squad you know we know the kind of people who go into Red Squad, you know? We know that, you know, maybe they mean well, you know, maybe they yeah. are the elite, they are a little cocky, but they're a bunch of kids still and, you know, now we're seeing they they, they are, you know, almost being almost dumbly going into this. You know, yeah, so this there are a, there are a
0: bunch of nineteen and twenty-year-olds who are able to be uh, indoctrinated with their in, in latent doing youth you know they, yeah. they,
1: they this is you know if Leighton is going to you know let's let's say Leighton's going to be you know a fascist dictator even you know whether or he will or not I don't think so but let's say he were these people would be at you know heads of his personal guard you know that yeah and that's those are some of the episodes very uncomfortable implications and I mean Red Squad is something that Nog, you know, is hero-worshipping, and most people must be.
0: But that's why I think the episode still works, and that's why I don't think it's cynical enough because, yeah, Red Squad will do something. They will, you know, disrupt the power grid, and nothing will really happen. You know, I I don't – and this is where where it really comes down to it. I don't think Red Squad is going to go shooting people because – uh, uh, the Lakota doesn't do that either. You know they yeah. hold, they hold back from destroying the Defiant. You know they, they there's a line. It's, and this is what it is is like DS9. There's a line that Federation personnel and Starfleet personnel will not cross, and that line has been moved
1: a little bit in DS9, but there is yeah. still a line. And it's but it's but the line has moved a little bit, and it's only season four is the line going to move forward in season 5 and season 6 and you know and, and frankly I also wonder um uh, um you know that line is both you know is protecting you know that protect that line protects the defiant. That line yeah. protects Cisco in the end. You know it, yeah. it, it protects all the people we know and like. Well, yeah, because
0: Leighton is not taking Cisco out and shooting him in the head. Yes, he's putting him in a holding cell. Yes, he's treating him very nicely. Yeah, he's I- asking him if he wants food. Like there, there's a, that's that's what I really like about it is there is still a degree of decorum and respect and and and. We're all in this together. We're all going to support each other. At the
1: same time, he is also talking to a fellow officer. I mean, I've how many movies have you seen which have the cliche of the you know well spoken Nazi you know talking to the American officer and you know you know I in a way that could be you know he I don't know I
0: don't ever really get a sense that Admiral Leighton is is you know dismissive of civilians for instance
1: No, no and that is fair and what he is doing what he is doing for you know but. To protect the paradise of Earth. But to protect his people on Earth, too. There, there is – di- again, I mean, you know, me, I, I, I'm probably spinning some you know, fascism a little further I think than you this are. episode yeah. you know, means it. But at the same time, this, I guess what this episode makes it clear, this one incident was a, was a guy trying to grab power and it didn't happen and no one was really in any major danger through the whole thing. But what about the next guy? You know, what about somebody who? I don't isn't- think there will be a next guy.
0: I, I think that's what the episode is saying: is that mm-hmm. the institutions do still work. That that the fundamental decency of the vast majority of, of Federation citizens and Starfleet personnel is yeah. still there. And yeah, Admiral Layton is a is a one of a kind guy. He's in the right place at the right time. He is trying to protect Earth. I think people, do, the people that went along with his plan as far as they went, did kind of pick up on the fact that he did want to protect Earth. He's not doing this because he wants to be a dictator. Yeah, and you but- also
1: don't. We also don't know how many people knew what for example you know he may have just been telling his captain oh some disaster is going to happen and we need to get martial law and
0: but she didn't they know never that- really used the word martial law well, also like I that's th- I, I don't, thought
1: they did I don't think they did well I think, Je- I think Joe might
0: say it but yeah. I, I don't think that the Starfleet personnel would okay, say it
1: but either way you know she, she may be okay with Starfleet personnel actually the
0: this- Federation president might say it mm. which is interesting because he's not a human and he's also the Federation president yeah. not Starfleet but mm. you know
1: you know Anyway, she might care. She might be okay with you know officers on the streets, but um, not in the
0: sheets. Hey. Well, anyway, I think at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is the the moral uh, uh, the morality of the Federation and Starfleet is still intact at the end mm. of the episode, even if it is a little bruised. And the institutions do work. People do still have a fundamental decency and a, and a sort of sick to itness and a get along with everybody else and a fundamental respect for all other forms of life that is still there. And yeah, this is a little more cynical. There is a line that's, that's moved a little bit, but you know, DS9 is still Star Trek. You know, this is yeah. not, this is not Babylon Five. This is not Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, it, it is still fundamentally optimistic about uh, the power of uh, the power of everybody coming together. Um, In a society.
1: Yeah. So. And maybe paradise protects itself then is what the message is because, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: No, I don't think that's the point. Well,
1: it's to the degree where, you know, the values of paradise, I guess I mean, the values that paradise instills. I mean, it is because. You know, Cisco and everybody, and that you know, Captain are all believing in the values of of the Federation, which have only come across as, for example, the Battle Riot showed us because shit got so bad that you know we had to you know really work in, and finally at this point, these values are so instilled in people that their better instincts will take take over. And
0: you know, I don't. And then the other point, you know, maybe in one this episode is that the the real thing that that makes me realize is that the Federation ideals and Starfleet's ideals are ideals that they actually believe and they actually practice. Whereas, you know, for example, uh, the Uh, ideals of American democracy are perhaps not exactly what what people practice or believe. So I think that there is a degree to which the Federation is just what it appears to be sometimes. Yeah. So and that's a good thing.
1: No, I I, I, I think so. I mean, hell, that's something that we've even seen. You know, we've even seen that. The one with O'Brien's old captain, you know, for example, who's trying to – you know, det- mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. you know, who tries to destroy the Cardassian ship. I mean that's – Yeah, the wounded, yeah. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, Starfleet personnel, because they are human, will make mistakes and will go against the ideals. But at the same time, the Federation is so strongly founded around these ideals that in a way they're almost – I don't want to say anomalous, but – Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Um. There, there you know if leighton is a cancer cell the federation has very good you know defenses against, defenses against that yeah
0: yeah i think so um all right well if uh you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com uh you can find us on social media uh our username is trekabout where we're on twitter facebook and instagram and uh please uh check out uh, our patreon at patreon.com/truckaboutshow. Uh we do a special episode each month for uh people that give us $5 a month or more. And uh the one that we're doing this month actually that we released a couple weeks ago is our thoughts on Star Trek 2017. It was a <sighs> good, good conversation what we think about it, what we think it might be, um you know, who's involved, what we want out of it. And uh yeah, if you would like to hear that and the other patron specials, and then of course the ones that are coming up in May, June, July, August, September, all those months.
1: October, November, January, February, March, and April, May, mm-hmm. and June, and July.
0: Okay, that, yeah. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Show and uh, donate some money to us to support the show, and we thank you. And also check out Trekabout Presents Clerks, mm-hmm. which is coming out tomorrow. But if you don't have money... We still love you. There's another way to support the show. You can do that by leaving us an iTunes review. We have two new ones for you this week. Uh, The first one is from Zionite, and he says, or she, uh, Eric and Richard are the kind of guys with whom I like to watch and analyze the world. I have not met either of them, but their mode of thinking is what I look for in a podcast. Their conversations go beyond the surface details and focus on themes, ideas, and thought experiments that make life and this podcast fascinating. So all we, that said, oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say. So we know they don't know us. There's, there's only six billion suspects. Yeah,
0: true. Uh, all that said, few episodes contain rose tinged nostalgic praise of the Trek franchise. They take a critical eye that sometimes comes down hard on the writing or production of particular episodes.
1: Oh yeah, they we my definitely go- do that.
0: They are my go-to Trek podcast each week, and their sister podcast Trek About Presents is also well worth oh. your time. So thank you very much for that nice review, Zionist.
1: I think of it as a brother podcast.
0: Not Zionist. Although that would be fine too. It's a brother. Sure. A brother podcast. Okay. Okay. Uh, And then we also have uh, another review from John Hazard, who we assume is a man because his name is John. He gives us three stars. Okay. Uh, He says they sound like nice guys and their discussions were thoughtful, but the format is just too loose for my tastes. I like a slicker sounding show and a more organized discussion. Well, you're not getting that here. (laughs) Plus, and I only listened to a couple of episodes, but their knowledge of Trek seemed to have a lot of holes in it, and it frustrated me. I'm giving up on this podcast.
1: That's the entire point of my character is that I don't have any knowledge of Star Trek.
0: Yes, that is true. But, you know, I'm glad that you gave it the show a shot, even though you're probably not listening to this. Uh, We appreciate anybody who gives the show a shot and, uh, you know, it's not for everybody and we understand that. But it's for for all of you and we love you for that. Thank you very much. So thank you for those two iTunes reviews. And again, uh, check out patreon.com slash to support the show or leave us an iTunes review to support the show if you do not want to give us money. all right, next. Or you could do both. Or you could do both. Yeah, both would be fine as well. Uh, okay, so next week we're going to be talking about the DS9 episodes Crossfire and Return to Grace. Not Grace Under Fire. That's a different show.